Hello everybody, this is Ashish and this is the favorite podcast of space lovers, rocket science lovers, we call Spacecast. I did my best to do the radio voice. Guys, we are back with the next episode of Spacecast. In today's episode, we are going to discuss a lot of amazing stuff like Elon Musk becoming the richest man on this planet. We are going to discuss the farthest point visible in the universe and we are also going to talk about the various launch vehicles of indian space research organization if we get the time but on top of all we are going to have a lot of fun as you guys know spacecast is a podcast which is 100% unscripted i do not have a script written over here i do have some of the topics that i want to cover but if time falls short then we are going to discuss it in next episode feel free to put your suggestions in the comment section down below if you are watching or listening to it on youtube other than that there's always ways of approaching me the description box is open for you there are ways of contacting and suggesting your information let us begin this episode we are going to start with elon musk turning into the richest man on this planet ashish in spacecast we generally discuss technical stuff why are you talking about all this because guys you space lovers should be fascinated by the fact that the richest man on this planet is also a space enthusiast like us and he has had an a tremendous run in the beginning of 2020 he was the 35th richest man on this planet and in the beginning of 2021 he is the the richest man crossing jeff bezos by the way the second most richest guy also has fascinations towards space he is also running this blue origin which is a space organization private obviously focused mainly towards space tourism more about that later but the crazy fact is that the amount of worth that he has created in just one year during the covid situation when all the businesses are failing and flopping at that time he has created more worth than the net worth of bill gates who was ruling the early 2000s and the 1990s being the richest man of the planet at that time so how did he do that honestly i don't know how do you even make something like space exploration even profitable forget about being the richest man and then other than that tesla electronic vehicle that makes some sense some sense to me that yeah that is the demand for the future although in the beginning it was highly thought that it is not going to make anything big the third one is the boring company who knows what is the future for that it is still the shallowest one so far but who knows it turns out to be the biggest one in future but man what a guy elon musk is you have to attribute it to that he's a unique unique character that he has sold out all his mansions all his expensive belongings saying that what are you going to say now i'm not enjoying this wealth i'm doing something for mankind and i dare you to prove that i'm not doing that so he is a unique individual and uh, when the news came out he had a net worth of i think somewhere close to 185 billion dollars and now i t- today i checked it out and it was 194 if i'm not wrong or 192 billion dollars right and jeff bezos is somewhere around still 186 so he is not stopping over there and if you look at the second most riches right now and the third most riches there's a huge difference third most riches if i'm not wrong it is bill gates i think i might be wrong but that person is standing somewhere on like 135 billion so 
Isn't that fascinating? And shouldn't we be happy that the richest person on this planet is working towards the mankind and he's trying to save the civilization? Like he truly believes that we humans are going to fuck up. And there is no reason not to believe that. All you have to do is look at the history and humans have a bad behavior of messing up every now and then. So there was World War One, and after that, in 19, 1914 to 1919, that was going on. And after that, in the 1920s, a great recession happened. And soon the world was recovering from that. And soon after that, World War Two happens. That was a sure shot apocalypse for a lot of places like Paris, France and all was completely taken under the Hitler regime. So it was hell for those people. It was hell for Vietnam. It was hell for a lot of countries getting captured by Japan, a lot of countries getting captured by Germany and Italy. So obviously there was a straight up dictatorship and you can only thank your lucky stars that there was no nuclear weapon at that time. And after that, the World War II, it straight up went into Cold War. And it, it is clearly visible that the World War Three almost happened. Russia almost launched its nuclear weapons into America and uh, that launch thankfully needed three person to authorize that launch and two people actually accepted it that let's launch it and the third person said that let's not do it and that saved and all of that was because of miscommunication between Russia and United States and that would have easily started World War Three, and that would have been a disaster for the rest of the world. Albert Einstein, who died in 1955, was very much alive during the World War II and saw the destruction that happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. And because of what he invented, the E is equal to MC square, as simple as that. And he said after that, that I do not know what weapons will be used to fight World War III. But if World War III does happen, the World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones because it will wipe out the entire civilization it will go straight back to zero inventing the wheels so humans are very close to obliterating itself or some asteroid hits and we get removed from the face of the planet because just like dinosaurs and all so elon musk thinks that it is very possible future and we should be ready for that and what we can do is colonize another planet worst case scenario some of us can survive and rest of the wealth, he, he tweeted it, I think, long time ago. Half of my wealth is for making the earth a better place and rest is to protect the civilization just in case we are hit by an asteroid or we are just destroying ourselves because of the stupid behaviors we have done so far. It is a happy news that a person like that is on top of the world. It can We can only imagine that a crazy psycho reaches the top of the world just like Hitler wanted to be. And uh, that is another thing, that whoever wanted to conquer the world so far, each and every one of them failed. And uh, this is different. Being the richest person on the planet is different because it is not a monarchy that the son of the richest person will be the richest person. See, Steve Jobs died. The Apple company is still going on and it's not run by the son or the daughter of Steve Jobs, right? So that wealth that they have created, that is another thing that we need human beings like them who creates wealth. 
who creates wealth so from let us say world war 2 where every important country in europe was on a brink of destruction how did we get from there to where we are right now where we are working perfectly and how do we do that ba- basically what that is is that we have created wealth right and uh, as we all know that sna test recently happened which was also very tremendous maybe we are not going to discuss it now or let us do that in just a moment and sn9 is on the way of testing and that is basically the predecessors of starship and once that is formed that is going to be the most powerful spaceship that has been ever created or the launch vehicle that has ever been created if not among the best right so and nasa is also working towards their own adventures towards moon and all so that is great that space technology is given that much advantage or it is given that much importance and uh, it is good that we are having people like them on top i'm very happy for that uh, now let us get to sn8 and that was again a very successful according to elon musk it is successful only as far as what i could find out that it went to an altitude of 12 kilometers and i tried to find out what was the actual altitude that it went to or what was the apogee that it went to get got 12 kilometer i'm not really sure because it was just some website but uh, what what it showed perfectly was a cluster engine so it was having three engines right now it is very difficult that three liquid propulsion engines work simultaneously properly all right now this is something that happens in gslv mark 2 launch vehicle so the first stage is going to be the strap on boosters four strap on boosters what we call l40 stages and these four has to fire simultaneously this is going to lift you off from the ground and also there is going to be a solid booster in between which is the core stage but the four engines that are strapped around the core stage if any one of them are having slightly mismatch when it comes to thrust then the whole launch vehicle is going to topple because you are going to get a vector which is not going to be in line with the center of gravity of the launch vehicle so having a clustered engine is very very difficult especially when it is liquid stage because liquid stages are very complicated i've already discussed about the liquid engines on this channel if you do not know about that go through it i've also discussed solid stages but solid stages are much more easier now if you look at the soyuz launch vehicle um you are going to see the first stage is also strap on boosters kind of it is having four strap on boosters right and uh, when that happens when that actually the strap on separate after some time right but when it comes to gslv mark 2 that will not separate right it is going to get detached along with the core stage and basically five engines are going to drop off after some altitude is reached what i am trying to say is that balancing multiple engines or what we call clustered engines is very very difficult because that will require a good amount of technology so that none of them are going to create extra thrust or all of them are creating balanced thrust right another important thing is that in this test of sn8 this these three engines one by one start shutting off right so at one point when these engines are symmetrically aligned three engines are symmetrically aligned about the axis of the whole test launch vehicle then 
if one shuts off it is very difficult to balance by just two but they are going to change the angle because of the gimbal and all and somehow they are going to still maintain the thrust acting through the center of gravity or if required then it is going to act whatever direction it has to and it showed the belly flop maneuver very properly it was able to show that everything was done properly when it comes to engines working together as a single stage the only thing is that at the end it could not land and obviously that is very very important if you are going to send humans and that kind of blasts cannot cannot it's not acceptable right but the thing is that what they said is that the gas pressure so this is what happens there's going to be fuel right and there's going to be oxidizer when it comes to liquid fuel and liquid oxidizer by the way it is always going to be liquid only in case it is cryogenic stage then it is going to be brought to liquid stage by increasing the pressure or by having proper insulation right for example lox that is liquid oxygen and uh, liquid nitrogen is also there depending on the kind of fuel that you're looking for liquid hydrogen is the fuel okay and liquid oxygen would act like oxidizer which is the situation in c25 engine or the c20 engine of gslv mark 2 or mark 3 of indian space research organization but what happens is that you'll have to put some pressure right pressure on top of the fuel because what happens is as you go up the fuel is getting consumed now and if simple term you look at a liquid column let us say this is having a liquid column and it is filled with fuel which is in liquid state then the pressure at the bottom would be rho gh or not right now that h itself rho is the density g is the acceleration due to gravity and h is the height or the call height of the column and if the fuel is continuously getting spent then obviously that height of the column is decreasing that means the pressure is going to decrease but the engine is going to require the same amount of pressure otherwise the amount of thrust created is going to decrease generally the amount of pressure at which the fuels are fed is going to be close to 70 bar and it can be much higher in case of bigger engines but you can understand 70 bar is like 70 times the pressure that is on the on your on your head a lot of people don't really understand what pressure is i'm pla- uh, i'm planning to make a video to explain what a pressure what pressure actually is a lot of people even think that this is having a pressure of one atmospheric pressure for people who are listening i'm holding a mug with coffee and let us say people will be thinking that one atmospheric pressure is acting on the surface of the coffee and the moment i put a lid on top of it it is going to not have a pressure of one atmospheric pressure and it's going to the atmospheric pressure is going to go on the lid that is so stupid i'm going to explain that later but pressure is something that you definitely need to understand especially if you are like a mechanical engineer or a chemical engineer or working with rocket science all right whatever where were we so we need some external pressure on top of this fuel in the fuel tanks so that the pressure remains uniform like i said the generally the pressure is close to like 70 or 80 bar like that now we are going to apply a pressure of close to 300 bar on the surface of the fuel and that pressure obviously is so high when compared to the pressure that you are putting so that change in the height will not create that much of a difference now you might be asking where do we apply how do we apply this high amount of pressure on the surface of the fuel then that is done by let us say helium gas bottle some inert gas is going to be at that much high amount of pressure and that pressure is going to be applied on the surface of the fuel 
So what happened in SN8 is that the surface of the fuel was having lesser pressure. And as far as what I've studied that the pressure of, of the fuel was less, that was the reason why the whole mixture became oxygen rich. And that caused somehow to give green flames that you saw in the test, all right? But obviously, failures are very, very important. We have seen in the Falcon rocket also, they have gone through a lot of failures and those are the things that taught them how to do it successfully. And uh, seeing the man that Elon Musk is, obviously, like next day after this SNA test, Elon Musk was the coolest CEO in the face of the planet. He said that we did more than we, we were expecting and we are going to be back and SN9 is online, right? So that is another thing that I wanted to discuss. Now, let us get to the next topic also let me know about your opinions, your suggestions, what you think. I know that there are a lot of space one enthusiasts who are listening to my podcast and I'm very fortunate. A lot mean, it does not mean like I'm having thousands and thousands of space enthusiasts listening to this podcast, but I know that the 10, 20 or 50 people of you who are enthusiasts, they know a lot. You guys are having very in-depth knowledge and a lot of times you guys are correcting me as well. So I'm just doing what I do best. I like speaking, I like making podcasts and I love space technology and that is why I'm talking about that. All right, let us get to the next topic of discussion and that is the farthest place that is seen in this universe so far. So in 2016, Hubble telescope captured a very interesting picture. It is a picture of a galaxy that is 13.4 billion years away. Um, light years away for example light has to travel for 13.4 billion years to reach to Hubble telescope which is on the orbit of earth right and it was also a big coincidence that the path was very clear and a galaxy actually acted like a lens to magnify it see here's the thing it is said that the universe is only 13.8 billion light years old it is said that or it is calculated scientifically that that is when the big bang happened so it is just 400 million years later picture right so no matter how far you can see right we can only see light in the visible spectrum so light is just an electromagnetic wave right and we cannot see the entire spectrum of electromagnetic wave we can see only a part of it and that part we call visible light now here's the thing about electromagnetic spectrum they have a limited amount of speed with which they travel and it is obviously a lot of you guys might be knowing it is 3 into 10 to the power 8 meter per second that might be a lot for you guys not only for you guys for me also <laughs> but that is not a lot when it comes to the size of the universe so universe is so huge that this distant place by the way the name of it is gnz 11 it takes 13.4 billion years for light to reach from there to this place and by the way it is it does not mean that that universe is only or that galaxy is only that old actually it is 32 billion years old right the thing is that the universe itself is expanding right so it was the light that left from that place 13.4 billion light years away is now reaching to us but now that galaxy is not over there now that galaxy is farther away 
above 30 billion light years away right and the interesting thing is that you are seeing that part right after the big bang ha was happening so basically to a huge extent we are seeing the birth of the universe it is said that that happened that must have happened right after dark ages now after the big bang a lot of things happened and it took some time to settle things down and for the galaxies to form but that is not the topic of discussion today the interesting part is that since the universe itself is expanding the light's wavelength itself will be getting expanded right so you might be knowing that red color white light is made of the vibcure that you must be knowing about the colors of the rainbow out of that the red is going to have the longest wavelength violet or blue is going to have the shortest wavelength right and that is why when you see sunset sometimes it looks reddish why because those are the lights coming from the farthest point and red light is having the largest wavelength so least amount of particle are going to cause an obstruction to that so if the sun is at a horizon for us then only the red light will be able to reach to you and that is why the sky may seem reddish to you during the sunset and what happens over here is that because the universe itself is getting stressed so you can understand 13.4 billion light years away it will it has traveled that light photons have traveled for 13.4 billions of years till it reached the hubble telescope that much amount of time it has been in space the space the fabric of space itself is expanding so that light itself gets expanded and whatever color was actually originated from that point 13.4 billion years ago is now stressed so if even if it was blue now it has turned to red and this my friends is called the red shift now scientists have found ways to calculate that also of how much it has elongated and they have pinpointed it that this part of the universe is actually 13.4 billion years old and that so far is the oldest picture of human history and you can also say that see like i said that you can only see the visible spectrum so wavelengths longer than red color will not even be visible to the hubble telescope you cannot take the picture of that you understand so there might be universe farther than that which has been throwing lights and hubble telescope might have captured but it is out of the spectrum of what it can capture into pictures so a further universe might also be possible but the thing is that you cannot capture that is the limitation of human beings we can only first of all we can only take signals from light or electromagnetic wave that too in a limited regime and that is the limitation of our senses it is like an ant trying to figure out where it is or what what is beyond this thousands of kilometers of roads that where it was born it is not even possible or we are not physically possible physically capable to see universe beyond that no matter how big the universe is and no matter how uh, how much amount of time you invest to study that you won't be able to find out places or see places that is farther away in terms of light years um for example universe itself was created at some point right and from there to today it has been 13.8 billion years right you cannot see places farther than 13.8 billion years because light has not got sufficient time 
to reach you till now right and that is also a kind of expansion the longer you live the longer or the farther points light will be reaching to you but it is crazy of how the universe works it is interesting isn't it that we are having a picture of the oldest part of the universe and that to me is fascinating and to a huge extent we should be expecting us to reach our limit and i think we are already over there because and there are a lot there might be other signals also that we might not be able to receive or register or sense but there might be other species who are working in that domain and you might not be knowing i think it takes 8 minutes for light to reach from earth to mars so if we are going to rely on the communication system that we are having right now our communication system will be super shitty <laughs> and we don't even know if there is an alternative method because that is how we communicate and if we want to go to some other galaxy then it will be taking years and years for even light to reach then communication will be next to impossible that you send a message over here it will receive in the other galaxy in let us say one year and then that person reads it and then sends it and then it takes another year so i think the biggest limitation that we are having would be our lifespan itself that we are very short lived another thing that was very very interesting is that this this galaxy that we have seen that is uh, GNZ 11 obviously it is said that it is a galaxy but you know andromeda galaxy was once thought of as a star that is in our milky way galaxy and later they found out with the better technology that oh no 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 it is not just a star in our galaxy it is another goddamn galaxy and it is moving towards us and we are not the first one it has engulfed other galaxies as well and somewhere in close future we are going to have a collision with that right it is moving straight towards us and we might turn into a single gigantic galaxy or or it might be possible that it completely engulfs the milky way galaxy because it is bigger and romeda galaxy is another crazy one it is having two centers one is a cluster of stars and the other one is a black hole it's crazy i'm going to discuss that at some day or the other or in some space cast by the way some people very interesting people are very ready to come to the space cast discussing a lot of interesting things i recently talked to vinod sir who is a masters from iic bangalore has been working for over 6 years in general electrics he has been designing jet engines and all and it was very interesting to have a chat with him and i said that man get on space cast a lot of people needs to listen to you so that's one thing but i was talking about that maybe this is not a galaxy but another universe see at the worst time where we were not able to see beyond our galaxy and then there came time where we started to see beyond our galaxies and we found a lot of other galaxies as well and beyond galaxies in a universe there are other universes so who is to say that it might not be but that is just a philosophical thought obviously it is not scientifically proven but that is also very very possible guys okay so put your suggestions and opinions of how mind boggling the space technology is people can keep on talking about it for years and years and it is always fascinating space my friends is the final frontier all right the next that we are going to talk about are the 
launch vehicles of Indian Space Research Organization. And people who are having the video version or are on YouTube can take a look on the screen. But for others, we are just going to rely on the audio part. All right, so I'm on straight up ISRO's website. Let us discuss few of the launch vehicles of ISRO. So these are divided into three parts. Historic, operational, and future. So historic are the SLV and ASLV. SLV stands for satellite launch vehicle. ASLV stands for augmented satellite launch vehicle. And these were basically taking place in the 1990s. SLV-3 was the first successful launch and uh, APJ Abdul Kalam sir was responsible for that. And then ASLV was there for a very short tenure until they got into the PSLV, Polar Satellite Launch Vehicle. And then PSLV also has a lot of variants. Well, let me talk about that a little bit after some time. And then they got into GSLV Mark II that is geosynchronous satellite launch vehicle and then GSLV Mark III. All right. Okay. We are going to talk about them one by one. Sufficient information for you guys are available. There are some future also available, which are RLV-TD. That is reusable launch vehicle. TD basically stands for tests. I think test or demonstration, something like that and scramjet engine TD. Okay, technology development, I think that is what it stands for. Let me see if you are telling the full form or not. Yeah, technology demonstrator. All right, there have been some successful tests of this one. This is basically a very similar form of a space shuttle. So we all know that space shuttle retired in 2011 and there was a lot of arguments that why is this row going in that direction? Even though space shuttle has retired, and it has been proven that there are better ways of doing it like what SpaceX is doing. But ISRO says that we are doing it our own way. All right. Now, let us get to the first one that is the PSLV. And here we are having this. See, if you look at a launch vehicle, let us look at it from the bottom. All right. And so far we have had 52 missions of PSLV. And if you look at it, there was only one unsuccessful mission that was PSLV D1. Also, let us talk about these things. D1, D stands for demonstration. All right. So if you look at the GSLV Mark III right now, it is M1 mission. If you remember, that was the time when I actually got into ISRO. Just then the M1 mission had happened and M2 mission was the Chandrayaan. So it was 2018, close to October. M stands for mission. And before that, there was D1, D2, D3, and D stands for demonstration. All right, so there was PSLV D1, which was unsuccessful in 1993. And in 1994 itself, PSLV D2 was successful. And then it came D3 and then it started with C1 into in 1997. What is C standing for? C stands for commercial, right? So these are all commercial launches and they are going to launch their own satellites or they are going to launch the satellites of other countries completely depends on the contract. And then after that, as you can see, PSLV has never failed. PSLV is the workhorse of uh, ISRO. Most of the missions are taken carried away by this only. The only thing is that the payload capacity is a little bit lower, but when it comes to small satellite launching regime, these are one of the best in this world. Very robust. That is the thing. Reliability of these launch vehicles are very, very high. And that is why other countries are also trusting their 
difficult they it takes a lot of time to make a satellite lot of technology lot of investment and you cannot just risk it sitting on a launch vehicle which will blast off right so that is why pslv is very very reliable because it has not failed there was another unsuccessful mission it happened in 31st on 31st august 2017 that was the time when we were preparing to get into indian space research organization i was actually in baba atomic research center right when it started it started for on 1st august 2017 and i was working very hard and some of my friends did get call letter for the interview of the exams that happened in april 2017 and i failed that examination but a lot of my friends were preparing for the interview and that was the latest latest news of isro and if you are preparing for isro interview this part of the podcast is going to be very important for you because these are the questions that are asked so let us say on august uh, what was the august 31st 2017 the failure happened then they are going to ask in the interview maybe that what do you think is the reason of failure and obviously you are not going to answer like in depth whatever is the hidden secrets of why it actually failed you are going to answer based on whatever you think is correct it was irnss 1h and these are the things that i studied it was actually a replacement so one of the satellite of the irnss uh, if you do not know the navic system was created to create india's own gps and it is ready right now it has started to getting implemented also in a lot of cell phones but the thing is that america's gps is so well spread that it is going to take time so the first uh, satellite that was sent in this cluster of seven satellites for the gps that will be covering india that the atomic clock of that satellite failed right so i've talked about this before that the clock needs to be very accurate because you are going to send a signal and receive a signal and then you are going to find out the time time is going to be calculated by the clock and based on that you are going to find out the distance three satellites will be required to pinpoint the exact position right so if that clock fails obviously you can only replace it and i think uh, those clocks were made by france and later india started making their own atomic clocks so okay moving forward so so far we have had 52 missions of pslv out of which two was unsuccessful the second one what was the problem in the second one that happened in august 31st 2017 the problem was that the heat shield separation failed so if you can see on the screen this part is called the heat shield heat shield will be covering your satellite or your payload because it will be facing a tremendous amount of load pressure and heat when launching and heat shield will be protecting the payload from the amount of heat that it is going to be facing so it did the protection but as soon as you cross the atmosphere you're supposed to lose the heat shield because whatever heat it has absorbed it is going to throw it back inside the payload beyond the atmosphere because now no more extra heat is gained right so outside atmosphere is hotter then obviously heat will be transferring from atmosphere to the heat shield and now the inner payload is colder and if the heat shield is hotter then the heat will be flowing from higher temperature to lower temperature so we don't want that so we will be losing the heat shield so the launch vehicle itself was very successful other than the heat shield so heat shield was not separating so there was some problem it got locked and because of that it did not separate and because of that 
it was an unsuccessful mission with a very successful launch <laughs> okay all right let us get to the base of it see these are the strap on motors now these are going to be solid stages uh, if you can if you are seeing this screen if you're not seeing if you're just listening the small rocket like shaped objects around the core stage is going to be solid stage and it is written over here psom and it is going to be just giving you extra thrust because to support the lift off okay and a lot of people do not know that this what you're seeing in the middle some people think that this is also a solid stage only this is not really a solid stage for people who are listening it is going to look exactly the same as the strap-on boosters but it is going to be a little bit smaller now these are very very similar to the top stage so it is also going to have liquid propellant monopropellant actually and it is going to be used to steer the solid booster which is in between this core stage right so this is i think s139 yeah s139 139 basically means the propellant loading and say solid stages if you have to move the nozzle why do we have to move the nozzle nozzle is going to do what we call thrust vector controlling okay so it is going to change the direction of thrust and based on that the direction in which the launch vehicle is going that is going to change all right so that nozzle has to be controlled and the way we control the thrust in liquid engines is different than the way we control thrust in solid engines all right because solid engine it is going to be very simple design but different it is not going to have the engine hanging from the propellant tanks with a gimbal all right so in liquid stages what we do is that we are going to use hydraulic mechanisms or electromagnetic mechanism to just move the all the engine which is hanging from a universal coupling but over here it is going to be different different and these are the things that are going to be used to change the direction a very similar thing is used in the s200 boosters of the gslv mark 3 as well you are going to see something similar to this over there as well all right so these are the first stage the first stage is 100 percent built of uh, solid stages so what is the first stage first stage which is called ps1 is actually the s139 solid rocket motors this strap on motors what stage is this this is something that you can call a zeroth stage all right it is not a stage it is just going to be strap on booster to supply some extra thrust thrust to lift off in case the payload is heavier then we are going to have more strap on booster in some cases when there is no payload then that it might be a situation there are a lot of pslvs that has lifted off without any strap ons as well so you can see the maximum amount of thrust which is uh, 400 4800 kilonewton maximum thrust over here so what you can do is that a lot of people are going to talk about thrust in 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 terms of tons right so ton is equal to 1000 kgs right so newton's second law basically says force is equal to mass into acceleration this in newton it is giving you force that will be equal to mass into acceleration acceleration if you're saying is acceleration due to gravity let us just say that it is 10 all right so that is going to be 10 into the mass right now mass if you divide the thrust by 10 then you are going to get in kilo kgs that is actually tons right so 4800 kilonewton is equivalent to close to 480 tons right that is the thrust and you are going to find out that that is very massive compared to the liquid engines that we are having 
matter of fact this 71 ton thrust that is given by the strap-on booster that is also huge and there's not going to be only one strap-on booster six is going to be multiplying by six the only thing is that the specific impulse of the solid stages are very low and uh, they burn out pretty quickly they are uncontrollable those are the things that i've already discussed so i'm not going to focus over here for people who do not know that i've discussed that and needs to watch those videos i'm going to link it down in the description box all right so that is the first stage that is the ps1 then comes the ps2 stage and this is a liquid stage engine all right now this is having the vikas engine which is uh, which is made by india using the technologies of the viking engine which was the french technology there was a technology transfer deal and finally they came up with it it is very beautiful actually what is his name i'm forgetting about that person but he makes a lot of Kerbal Space Program videos. He's very knowledgeable when it comes to space technology. It's just now that I'm forgetting his name, but I'm sure that a lot of you guys can comment it down in the comment section. He's bald, I think. Very knowledgeable, very interesting person. But he once went to ESA in Europe and he took the video of Viking engine, right? And it was so surprising that Vikas engine is a striking image of the Viking engine. Everything is same in Vikas engine only. There are a few differences about which I think it is not correct to talk about. But uh, yeah, it is like in color and shape, everything is very similar to that. So this is the Vikas engine coming over here. Yeah, and if you can look at the maximum thrust, it is going to be 79 ton. Like I said, you are going to be surprised that these small solid boosters are almost creating the same amount of thrust that the liquid stage is creating. But there's a difference that liquid stages are number one controllable, but a lot of liquid stages are not controlled. But the second one is also very important that it is going to be firing for a longer period of time. Okay, so that is why it is used in the second stage because you need the highest amount of thrust when you are on the launch pad because the inertia is very difficult to overcome. The second thing which is also very important is that as you have lifted off, you are no longer struggling with the inertia of being static plus the air becomes thinner and thinner so it is much easier and that much thrust is not really required. You're going to find out as we go above See over here again, we are going to use again another solid stage engine that is PS3. PS3 is amazing because it is very different. PS3 and PS1 are very, very different. Matter of fact, they are fabricated in different parts of ISRO, different parts of India. PS3 is going to be much more smaller compared to this and also the material with which it is made is also going to be different, right? It has to be much more lighter. And if you look at the uh, fuel, it is HTPB. And I always forget what it stands for. Hydroxy tetra polybutadiene, something like that. Most likely it is very close, but I'm going to put it over here as well so that you get it. So that is the fuel used over here also. And over here also, solid stages are using HTPB. What the liquid stage, that is the Vikas engine using, that is UDMH, all right? UDMH is going to be unsymmetrical dimethyl hydrazine if i'm wrong i'm going to put it over here this is the important part is that this is going to be the fuel and this is going to be the oxidizer this is the thrust and it is vikas engine that is the second stage these are the things that they are basically going to ask in isro interviews okay because uh, what like first stage is what second stage is what then the third stage is what 
they might ask this much more than that it is not expected because these are the things available on the web website also so you can go through it and the last stage that is ps4 is again a liquid stage engine the ps4 is the uppermost stage of PSLV comprising of two earth storable liquids and that is mmh and mon so uh, this is again like i said this final stage of ps4 is very simple similar to what is used in the lowermost stage to control the thrust and the amazing part and why ps4 is very important is because you can turn it on and turn it off and that is very important because you have to inject the satellite in the correct orbit and a lot of times there are multiple satellites right so they have gone as far as i think 104 satellites in a single launch that created a world record right and that can only be done if you have to turn if you can turn on and turn off the engine so that you reach the correct orbit you inject the satellite in that orbit and you move forward and if you look at the payload payload to geosynchronous and geostationary orbit that is going to be 1.4 tons and if you are looking for sun synchronous orbit then it is going to be 1.7 Done. I'm going to talk about what is GTO and what is SSPO, right? It is very important for you guys to know it. But uh, this, for beginners, let us just understand that if if you have to launch for polar orbit, no, then it is going to be much more higher the amount of weight that it can carry. But if it is uh, GTO, then it is going to be in a single place when compared to the particular part of the earth for example if you have to launch the irnss then it has to be always covering india only no when earth is revolving or rotating around the axis of the earth so it has to be in the same place when it comes to the relation with a particular part and there are a lot of satellites which will be revolving multiple times every day around the earth so that it will be scanning and those 104 satellites that i was talking about that also a lot of them were called dove satellites it was from a company called planet and that was their objective they wanted to scan the planet every day 100 percent of it right and it gives you a lot of data which can predict crop fields and weathers and all those things so there are multiple types of orbits all of it obviously cannot be discussed over here i'm going to be making more videos like it is said over here um yeah so rest of the thing information is very clear you can go over there give it a read if you are interested if you click over here pslv is explained in the best manner possible they are going to give you more information ps4 see this is where ps4 will be sitting just below the payload the satellites right and this is going to be ps3 this is going to be carrying the htpb solid fuel and this is the ps2 which is the liquid stage and these are just interstage these are going to separate all right to separate the stages and there are a lot of other things for example the electronics part the processor and all they will also be over here because as the rocket is moving you will need to guide it in the correct direction that is the navigation and guidance part 
and i do not know what else questions are going on in your head if there are some questions please put it down in the comment section like i said in the beginning of the podcast only that this is going to be unscripted so i do not know how long it is going to take but i've been speaking for the last 50 minute guys so i think that i'm going to end this episode of podcast sorry space cast over here only and i'm going to con- consider or talk about the gslv mark 2 and the gslv mark 3 maybe some sounding rockets maybe rlvtd and maybe scramjet in the next one and that's about it we are going to end the space cast over here i'm trying to make it weekly as much as possible and let us see put your suggestions and in the comment section so that i can discuss those topic as well let me know which one you enjoyed the most either it was the elon musk becoming the richest man or was it the farthest point in the universe or was it the launch vehicles of isro basically the <laughs> pslv launch vehicle of isro that gives me an idea what you're enjoying more like i've already said all the audio versions of this podcast will be available in all the audio platforms other podcast that i'm running is talk and fire podcast which i run with komal on general topics recently we have talked about the poisoning case of tapan mishra which is very very interesting uh, the, a case of nambi narayan was also accused of an espionage case that is also very interesting those things are discussed over there uh, momentum podcast is on careers a lot of people who have cracked these examination like isro bark are coming over there talking about how you can do it as well other than that talk talks podcast is on martial arts and talk vlogs is on this channel itself where i talk about my past experiences all the links will be down in the description box if you are interested for a speaking skill course that i'm doing on a monthly basis where only 5 people are selected in every batch you can mail us in talkseminars@gmail.com that will also be available in the description box Thanks for watching or listening. I'll see all of you in the next one. Till then, bye. Well, that's about it for the podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Most likely you did, especially because you reached the end. The video version of the same podcast will be available on my YouTube channel named Ashish Ranjan under the same name. All the important information will be available down in the description box. Thanks for listening. I'll see all of you in the next one.